Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 139. Today we have another incredible family and friends guest episode. Joining us is Hotep Jesus. The great Hotep Jesus um, is an individual who is a leader of the Hotep Nation and an individual who has deviating insights, deviating viewpoints from the conventional mainstream caricature of black people in this country. He's red-pilled. He supports Donald Trump. He's He's a, a wealth of knowledge and a historian like myself, and uh, we're happy to have him. I'm excited to have him on the show tonight. Many people have requested that he, that Hotep and I do some work. I was on his podcast recently, so if you haven't already, you can go to YouTube, uh, to Hotep Jesus on YouTube, and subscribe and like the podcast, and you can go back and watch me go on a three-hour rant. Um, I was a little bit emotional that day. It was during that week uh, where Jason and I had gotten to a, a, a bit of a feud uh, Jason Whitlock and I got into a feud. Uh, so I told Hotep that I would return the favor and allow him to come on the show and give us his insights and backstory. And I want to do that even more in the future because I, I guarantee you this, there is a constituency out there. There is a, a black vote out there. There is a black support out there in America that I think Donald Trump and Steve Bannon are very keen to, uh, that, that, that I represent that deviates from the the, the uniparty, mainstream, media, industrial, complex caricature of the average black American citizen. Uh, and, and that black vote and that black constituency is going to need leadership, is going to need voices, people that understand the culture in order, to, in order to garner that black vote or in order to help garner that black vote. And it's already started to happen. And you may not know the names, you may not know the faces, the mainstream media and headlines may have done well to hide them from you, but I guarantee the support that you see for Donald Trump has has a, a lot to do with these voices popping up all across the country uh, to, to speak in, a, in the affirmative for American citizenship and, and ultimately fighting back against the contradiction and dishonesty that we see from our, our mainstream or, or our um, political elite uh, that are in power. So without further ado, I bring to you Hotep Jesus. Welcome the great Hotep Jesus to Please Call Me Crazy. It's an honor to have you. Uh, we, we get a lot of interview requests for you to be on the show. Um, I think we got a lot of good feedback from, from uh, the time I was on your show. And I told you after I talked for about three hours straight, just ranting, uh, had some shit to get off my chest that week. Yeah, you um, did. You know, we uh, we said that we'd, we'd get you on my show and let you and return the favor. So I want to get into the Hotep Jesus backstory a little bit, just briefly, you know, 10 minutes. I talked to Sonny Johnson uh, last night, and, and Sonny didn't want to uh, Sonny didn't want to waste no time with the backstory. She was like, "I'm getting straight to the to the business." So we're gonna have okay. to get Sonny back on and get her backstory. But just uh, like you know, five minutes, whatever you want to, just where you come from, uh, you know, where you from, how you were raised, what brought you to the Hotep Jesus that we know now, so the audience can be familiar um, with, with, with a little bit of where you come from. Yeah, so I guess the best way to do this is to tie everything in the Hotep 
Hotep Nation. Um, so uh, as I always tell people, you know, some people are, um, you know, they come into their Hotepness or their red pill, whatever. But I'm like Bane, where I was raised in it, I was born in it. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad was super red pill. He was super Hotep. You know, he used to have. I remember, you know, being a kid and. There was this book that was, uh, you know, to sit on our um, coffee table and it was like the invention of AIDS. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, And uh, uh, my mom wanted me, you know, I was raised Catholic. So my mom wanted me to go to school and my dad used to just drop little nuggets in my ear. Like, you know, Jesus was black and, you know, just like little nuggets here or there. Or do you even believe the story of Jesus? Right. Do you, you know, like just different things like that. Um, which made me just think about things. And, uh, my dad was raised, um, uh, my, my dad was in the intelligence section of the military. So I had quite an advantage when it came to looking at, um, everything that came that, 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 uh, in, involved, you know, military and intelligence, because like I said, my dad was in intelligence. He was a part of the, uh, Jamaican national forces, uh, as a Jamaican native, he was trained in um, in England, um, and uh, yeah, so um, I have a very interesting background because of the father I had in my life. And um, without him, I don't know where I'd be. I'd probably be like selling cocaine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why my heart goes out to the black community because I know how easy it is to get caught up in that life. And being that I had my dad, it gave me several advantages over other people. Um, my mom, both of my parents were, um, they, they earned a good income. You know, uh, I was raised semi-affluent. Um, so, you know, for example, um, on my block was all white folks, but we had the biggest house in the block. We had the nicest house. We had the big, we had the most expensive house in the block. Uh, most of uh, my black friends lived downtown. I lived in uh, one of the nicer sections of uh, where I grew up. So I grew up very privileged and that gave me advantage over most people, um, especially now in a technological age. Um, you know, like I, I was building computers, you know, and I was like 14, 15, 16. You know, this is like 1994, 95, 96. I remember my dad came home with a stack of computers. They were all like being thrown away. Um, and uh, he was like, yo, whatever you can fix and sell, I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you the money. Well, whatever you can fix, he'll sell it to his friends and then um, give me the money. So I, uh, you know, was grabbing these computers and they came with instruction manuals. So I was reading the error codes and would say like bad motherboard or bad hard drive. So I just try to grab another hard drive and try another hard drive until it worked. And I'm like, OK, cool. Now I'm just going to boot up, you know, Windows 3.1 at the time. So uh, and then I built my first e-com website in 1998, mm. I would say. Uh, 97, we were playing Grand Theft Auto. Uh, this was the top down version of PC. You know, we were hacking AOL with um, with uh, JavaScript um, software. So I was a computer geek, you know, uh, majority of my life. My brother's uh, was a computer programmer. He graduated from NGIT. My sister's a doctor. 
And uh, for a while, I was like the black sheep of the family because me and college didn't get along. Meanwhile, my sister's a doctor and my brother's a, a IT guy and they were raised in Jamaica. So they had a lot of advantages. Like, for example, um, my brother went to college. He was 16 and he came to America. He tested out of high school. He just Jamaica was just way ahead as far as, you know, what children were learning, you know kids here were learning, you know, algebra and he was on like trigonometry, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he's a huge math whiz, computer whiz. So having him around gave me an advantage in the computer world. And, um, my mom, she was an accountant. So I was fairly decent at math as well. And my mom always raised me to speak proper English. You know, she didn't let, she didn't allow me to speak slang. Uh, no matter how bad I wanted to, she always corrected me. Mm. And she was a she was actually an English professor at Rutgers University. So, um, you know, she took the English language very seriously. And um, yeah, so I'm just a product of being a black man with a two parent household where um, both parents grew up poor, but were the change the, the, the change in their family. You know, my sister, my, my um, mother, I mean, she's got She's one of five children. She's the most successful out of all the children. My father is one out of four or five children. He's the most successful out of them. So I got lucky in that regard to having two really ambitious parents that created, uh, that I would say created a God. Mm. I, I wasn't even familiar with the term Hotep until after the George Floyd thing popped off here in Minnesota and I led these protests of the Federal Reserve and I was talking about ideas like sovereignty and I started to fight against the LGBTQ thing. We, we talked about that story on, on your show some, but I started hearing people say like, I would, I bring up Malcolm X or I bring up, you know, Fred Hampton or I bring up certain figures in, in history, Frederick Douglass, for example. And I'd see people, you know, either comment on the internet or even, you know, make little snide comments in person about being a hotep. And I had no clue what it was for the audience members who don't know what a hotep is can you can you uh you know kind of explain it for yeah. us yeah so there was a, a a huge shift in the black community uh right around the time obama came to power um i would say the best thing to look at is probably early 90s hip-hop um you know digital underground brand new being um uh, you know, Q-Tip and Arrested Development and all these different groups, Queen Latifah at that time. Mm -hmm. There's a very, like, conscious message in hip-hop. And um, there was a lot of, I would say, black unity, black pride. Um, it was very um, African-centered. Uh, and, and that could spell disaster for the establishment when you have black peoples across the globe collaborating and showing appreciation for each other's cultures. Um, and then when you fast forward to the Obama era, uh, the Negro became more white and, uh, we, we lost some of our leaders. Like we lost, uh, H rap Brown. We lost Khalid Muhammad mm -hmm. around that same time period that Obama came to power. And then, um, the, the Negro became less conservative and more liberal. Um, uh, many of this through complacency and dependency on uh, the government. So Obama comes to power and everybody's sort of 
uh, falls back, right? Like they uh, become complacent and think like, oh, everything's great now because we have a black president. So you fast forward eight years later and you have, um, well, let's let's not go eight. Let's go six or seven. You have the murder of um, Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. uh, by George Zimmerman. Uh, and then George Zimmerman gets gets off on his case. And I remember crying that night, um, not because I felt bad, but because I felt the pain of the community online where everybody was just like, yo, I can't believe this happened. Da, 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 da. So I really felt the pain of the community. And I told myself, I'll never cry for this shit again. Um, it's time to make something happen. So um, I, I wanted to move into action and, and I started expressing my thoughts on the timeline. And I was basically talking about black capitalism, black economics and working together. Right. Economically. And um, I I didn't get it at the time, but um, I I wasn't it wasn't welcomed. Um, It wasn't welcomed at all. It was treated as was this amongst uh, other black liberals? Yeah. Black liberals. Black. At the time, I didn't know anything about liberals or Republicans. I didn't know anything about that stuff. Um, you sound like me. <laughs> yeah. This was like 2014, 2015. I didn't know a thing about this stuff. I never really cared to. Um, and then as, um, so that, yeah, so they, uh, they were, they, they, they uh, so started they were, calling. So they were, so they were, they were adverse to you talking about black economics. Was it, <clears throat> was it that you were, to, what was it, were they coming from the place of, was this kind of the the sentiment? Let me know if I got this right, because I, I experienced a similar thing when I brought a lot of folks to the Federal Reserve. For the most part, I, I'll, I'll um, say in, in earnest, when I brought mo- a lot of people to the uh, the 15,000, you know, the protest to the Federal Reserve, a lot of the black people didn't even know where we were, but I did get a lot of the, uh, the negative feedback or the, the side eye from, uh, the white liberals in the community who were, you know, why are, what, what are we doing here? What, you know, what's this message? Are you a debt hawk or, you know, things like that. So was the, was the feedback or the negative feedback from the black community along the lines of something like, you know, you just want to play cap. You just want to play the white man's capitalist game when you're talking about Correct. black economics. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. 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 They basically said something to the effect of, I just want the white man's power. Right. And um, they're right. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do want power. Right. Like I want I want who who I want. I'm a man. Right. So I want to win. I want to be the best. I want to have top competition. And they, a lot of this was very um, black women. This is, is very female, uh, a lot of female energy at the time. So women view the world differently than we do, which is great and fantastic. Um, so we'll disagree uh, on that point. But when I look at the the black problem, I don't look at it as asking white people to undo the deeds of the establishment. I look at it as black people just need to gain power and take 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 what's ours, right? Um, so you know, when I started tweeting about the black capitalism thing, it was met with a lot of vitriol. Then they started calling me, you know, uh, Ashy Hotep, and I'm like, wait a second, like. You can't be a hotep. I was really confused. I was like, you can't be a hotep. Hotep is like, you know, we say it as a greeting or an exit. Um, and it was a lot of it was a there was a big movement happening, 
especially centered around Harlem, where you had people like uh, Dr. Kaba Kamene. Um, you had um, uh, a lot of uh, literature or videos being shared from like Bobby Hammett, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. John Henry Clark, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Ben, um, Minister Enki, um, Brother Reggie, right? So all of these people were sharing all of this like African-centered information and you'd have these huge debates between um, the RBG community, uh, the uh, what we what now called hoteps or basically anybody who comes from uh, Kemet, the the school of thought of you know black Kemet, Kemetic science, uh, yeah, Kemetic science. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had the Moors. Then you had the Hebrew Israelites. The Moors, so had the Moors, the, the Moors science temple. Yeah. These are all people you're talking to. An audience who may have no clue what any of this stuff is. I'm just giving them the. The, in that case, they want to go Google. He said the Kemetic Science, Moorish Science Temple, and then the Hebrew Israelites. Yeah, are, I, I tend not to use the term Moorish Science Temple because okay. that might lead them in the wrong place. Okay. That's why I just say Moors okay. because uh, Moorish Science Temple um, has a lot of different right. concepts right. different from Circle 7 Quran right. Um, Moors, right? <laughs> like right. It's, It gets very deep, right? Yeah, no doubt. So um, and then you had the Hebrew Israelites and that can be like IPUK and ISPUK and different factions and they battle. Right. So you had all these different, basically four factions. I would say you had Kemet, Moors, Hebrew Israelites and RBG. Right. That's your uh, Pan-Africanist. And they'd all debate. And I'd be sitting there like, wow, this is great information. I'm soaking it up. And it was like a huge renaissance of black knowledge was coming in through YouTube. And then once the whole black lives matter situation came, all of that started to die and everybody started to look at the elections and Trump and black lives matter. And then black lives matter sort of stole the attention of the black community. Mm. And you had people looking at, um, you know, Sean King won a BET award, right? Um, Talcum X. Huh? Talcum X. Talcum X, correct. He he won a BET award. And I was just like, damn, they psyoped us that quick? Like within a few years, they just completely psyoped us and replaced all of our leadership. We went from Khalid Muhammad to DeRay McKesson. And I remember criticizing DeRay McKesson because everybody was talking about he was an activist. And I'm like, activist? I'm like, all he does is share videos. He's a journalist, if anything, right? He just shares videos. And I remember speaking to uh, uh, Darren Seals, who was on the ground at Ferguson yeah, after the Mike Brown, uh, uh, Mike Brown murder. Mm-hmm. And um, Darren Seals said he was like the, the, he was the first one to expose Black Lives Matter where they were coming in and people were receiving checks and none of it was going to the Ferguson community. Can I just start what? Hotel, let me stop you for one moment here. I just want to mm-hmm. explain to the audience what you're what you're looking at here. When you see me interview Sonny Johnson and Hotep Jesus, you are looking at a constituency that is very, very open, amenable, supportive of the contemporary populist, nationalist, America first. We may we 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 are open to voting for Donald Trump. We're open to voting 
away from any pre-existing plantation in our own interest. This is what you're you're looking at. And this constituent, I'm just trying to help because a lot of, you know, boomer conservatives watch Down the show. Good. Yeah. They hear Khalid Muhammad just like they hear a nation of Islam, just like they hear a Hebrew, black Hebrew Israelites or or the uh, comedic science. And because these people have different faith traditions, let's call it for lack of a better phrase, they have different mm-hmm. faith traditions. They don't realize that despite that difference of of faith or, or you know of of, uh, of theological perspective, um, these people are much closer to you than the Black Lives Matter, Black liberals, Black bourgeoisie you see on CNN. These are your these are your constituents, and and I say that and I stress that because I can I you know when you're jacked into the zeitgeist like like we are. I can feel the comments, even though we're, we're this isn't live. But I can feel the comments, you know, ahead of time. And oh, black Hebrew Israelites, or more Khalid Muhammad, you're talking about the anti-Semitic terrorists, and we're going through this conflict right there in Israel and Palestine. And I want to get to some of that with you here in the in the in the episode and get your take on it because when we were on your show, I just went off on a rant completely. But um, I just want to tell people like you, if you're not willing to, I, I say this all the time, Hotep. Everybody gets to decide how the nation burns now. Everybody gets to decide how the world burns now, right? Because it's on fire. So we can either try and put out the fire. Some of that could come from um, um, finding common ground with people who we previously didn't even really know existed, right? And, mm-hmm. and that was part of what I liked about Jason when I first came on his show. At one point, he was like, man, I didn't even know young black dudes like you existed. That was like a year mm-hmm. ago. That tells you how early, that tells you how you know halfway down his red pill was at the time. He didn't even know mm-hmm. that there were people our age who thought like like we think, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, but I just want to tell the audience that you know you hear these phrases or terminologies. If you click off right away, you're doing exactly what the Democrat plantation wants you to do. Continue, brother. Yeah. So you know, which reminds me of a story, right? I was I was dating this girl, and we went to go hang out in New York City because she had never been in New York City. So I was showing her around, and um, we were right by Madison Square Garden. And um, there were some Hebrew Israelites on the side of the road. And I'm like, oh, I got to show the Hebrew Israelites, right? So we pull up and we start listening and they start talking. And then out of nowhere, she starts yelling at them and arguing with them. And I'm like, yo, and actually, no, she wasn't yelling at them. Well, she kind of was, but there was another dude um, who was watching as well, and th- them two started arguing. So I'm listening to the Hebrew Israelites, and I'm monitoring this conversation behind me that she's arguing with these guys. And then it got to a certain point where I was like, all right, it's time to go. So I grabbed her and I pulled her away, and I'm like, yo, like, you're not supposed to argue. Like, if this was Broadway, right, and Broadway had an act and a play, you wouldn't be yelling at the actors on stage. So when you see the Hebrew Israelites, like, this is a... I view it as like performance art, right? Mm. Where I'm taking it in, but I don't have to agree with it and I don't have to like it, but I appreciate the passion when people believe something. Mm. And I got criticized for this um, by black people during the Black Lives Matter era because I said the same thing about white nationalists where I was quite intrigued, like, oh, wow, I want to hear what the white nationalists have to say, right? So that's just how my mind works, where I just like hearing what people believe and why they believe it, because it helps shape my worldview. Inquisitive mind. 
yeah, I got a very inquisitive mind. You know, everything to me, I'm just very curious. Like, why do you think that? Why do you believe that? Really? Okay. And they say things I never knew before, right? And they'll, like, Hebrew Israelites will bring up stuff in the Bible I've never even heard of, right? And they'll say all these weird things. And that's not to say, like, I agree with them, but I appreciate them. Um, it's better than, to, to piggyback your point and to, to buttress your point, it's better than, it's better than taking some pre-baked or half-baked or undercooked cookie cutter narrative from the establishment yeah. that you know is lying to you. Like, for example, Sean Hannity hosting a debate between DeSantis and Newsom. And all I could think the whole time is both of these guys are new world order shills. And, and not only that, but Sean Hannity is too. I'm, I'm watching a performative art that's based on lies. And I don't even think these guys actually believe what they're saying. When you listen yeah. to Hebrew Israelites, at least you can sense some, some uh, passion and some, some originality yeah. and authenticity in whatever mm -hmm. it is that they're trying to, to get at. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, and I've heard them say some wild stuff before, and I'm like, damn. Um, but again, <laughs> right, so, right. yeah, anyway, so now we fast forward in the Trump era, and Trump decides to run, and he's running against Hillary. And I'm like, well, surely everybody's going to vote for Trump. And then I see this huge black contingency online, like, no, not Trump, Hillary. And I'm like, what? Hillary Clinton? Miss super predator miss i had black people uh black slaves on my own personal property by exploiting the 13th amendment this is the lady you're choosing miss hot sauce in her bag i was like i was so floored and i was so i became very vocal like i don't want to be known in history as the guy that was silent while black people voted for their own demise mm. i wanted to be known whether it's unpopular or not, we are going to know historically online where Brian Sharp, a.k.a. Hotep Jesus, stood in 2016, 2015. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I said, yo, I back Trump. Trump. And I wasn't backing Trump because I like Trump. I, I, I backed Trump for two main reasons. Number one, he said fake news. And I had been going at the media for like the past decade previous to that. The second thing was. It was way better than Hillary Clinton. Like, way, 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 way better. I mean, Hillary Clinton, I mean, this. her husband put the crime bill in. Come on. Let's be like, serious. So when I saw people supporting Hillary, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I, I got to part. I got to part with the black community on this one. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't be pro-black anymore because now being pro-black doesn't even mean being pro-black. Now it means being pro-rainbow pro-trans right it like like there is no pro-black anymore like mm. even today like there is no such thing as being pro-black you know it's been co-opted it's been stolen all of the think tanks and groups now say you have to support an lgbtq lifestyle in order to be pro-black yeah. and i'm like nah bro like you gotta support black people and whatever you are after that, like I always said, if you make them put respect on your blackness, you don't got to make them put respect on your gayness. I don't care who you sleep with, you know, um, all I care about is making sure that the people that look like me are good and not suffering. Right. So, you know, uh, hindsight's 2020 for many people and they go yo we owe the hoteps an apology they were right they were right about the vaccines 
I mean, even I was, you know, I was, when I was anti-vax or I'm still anti-vax, but when I first started talking about anti-vax, this goes back. You can check my Twitter. This goes back to 2011. Right. But I was talking about vaccines before the pandemic and telling people like, yo, the vaccines, they don't work and all types of shit like that. And this is before there was even a COVID-19 vaccine in the public. And the red whites are like, what are you talking about? What are you, some anti-vaxxer? And I'm like, oh, shit, they got y'all with the vaccine psyop too? I'm like, y'all be <laughs> out here taking the flu vaccine? So I'm noticing the red whites are taking the flu vaccine. So I'm like, yo, y'all believe in the flu vaccine? Y'all believe in the MMR vaccine? Y'all believe in vaccinating you your about, children? You talking about the mist? They believe in the mist, the flu vaccine? They believe in yeah. Come on, man. They try to give me uh, the mid. They try to when I was in college, I remember when I was in college and they, you know, they provided it for the for the athletic program or whatever. It's just, you know, standard. It's not that's not an indictment of Iowa State. I actually love Iowa State University. I love to see Donald Trump go to the Jack Trice football stadium and the 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 fans there in Iowa, at Iowa State were like USA, you know. So the the people in Iowa think about things a little bit different in in general cuz they got a, a, a uh, a different economy in Iowa, let's say, right? These are farmers mm. for the most part. Mm. But anyway, mm -hmm. they when I was at Iowa State, they tried to give me the mist, and I just I just told them I was like, "What would make you think I would let Walgreens put mist, live mist up my nose? What what would make you think that I would ever allow the pharmaceutical industry to put mist in my nose? Like, mm. I mean, you know, I, and we all look, we all some some of us at least, a lot of us had had our standard vaccines growing up. And, mm -hmm. and it's it's worthwhile to separate, you know, the vaccines that had some level of proof. I don't want to sit here and and, and try and uh, cape up or or I'll say zero level of proof. But go ahead. I would act. Yeah, you know, we could we we could definitely argue that for sure. I mean, I wouldn't argue against it. I'm saying we could argue that there's zero level of proof for sure. Mm -hmm. But right. the experimental vaccine was just a leap into into no man's land, right? I mean, oh yeah, that was a, a whole leap. different level of 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 zero proof. Uh, right. But but yeah, I was like, I'm not I'm not putting no mist in my nose. You know, I can't tell you how many people take the flu vaccine every year. They think it's perfectly uh, safe. fucking retarded. They fucking retarded. Yo. They fucking retarded. Fucking dumbasses, yo. Yes. Fucking dumbasses. Everybody comes around. They go, oh, it's flu season again. I'm like, so what? The flu checks his motherfucking clock every year and goes, it's time to come out. No, that's not what happens. You know what happens for flu season? You go, guys, go out and fucking get the flu shot, you dumbass. And then you start spreading that shit. And then that's where the flu season comes from. It comes from the fucking vaccines, you dumbass. Sometimes white people make me sick, yo, especially the red whites. These niggas is dumb as shit and ignorant as shit. And they believe everything coming out of fucking big pharma. And now everybody's an anti-vaxxer. I'm like... My, so this is the shit that frustrated me because I told black people like, yo, Trump, Trump is the one. Don't fuck with Hillary. Now everybody want to talk about, oh, the Democrats is corrupt. All right, you late, motherfucker. Then the pandemic came around yeah. and I told motherfuckers about the vaccine. Nobody paid attention. Now everybody's like, oh, I'm anti-vax. I'm late. I'm like, you late, motherfucker. So everybody's fucking late and this shit pisses me off because it's common fucking sense, yo. You know what else? You know what else coincides with flu season? Everybody going out and eating a bunch of fucking candy around Halloween. Mm. You know what sugar does to your immune system? Exactly. So so Boom. that's why you getting sick, dumbasses. Yeah. Not to mention Thanksgiving and the, the bullshit you eat at Thanksgiving, Christmas, and 
you know, the whole lineup of, of winter season holidays where everybody's either eating on one day or a, a couple of weeks in a row, really. You know, there's all these processional uh, celebrations with, with all of these holidays and people are just eating bullshit, really, and, and justifying it. Yeah, right. not to mention and you eat bullshit all the time all year anyway, and then you just you know triple down when it comes to holiday season. There's no real, I mean, even in my even at Thanksgiving now, you know, you know, we, I took this this year on Thanksgiving to to speak to your point. Um, every year there's just this there's just this uh, cultural norm that you're supposed to pig out at Thanksgiving, right? It's it's crazy, and and I just so happen to be doing like a, a a couple of water fasts and a detox, um, in the vicinity of of Thanksgiving, and I remember getting a Thanksgiving. I remember thinking this year before Thanksgiving, like feeling uh burdened by the expectation that I was gonna was supposed to eat a lot of food on Thanksgiving, and I really had no desire to eat, like so much so I didn't even really want to go to the family event because it was like. You know, I know people, why you ain't eating or why, you know, and it ain't a big pressure. I'm not saying it's a big deal, but just psychologically, you know, part of you is trained for, I'm 32 now, for, you know, I don't know, since you could remember 27, 26 years that Thanksgiving, this is how it's supposed to go. And I was like, no, nah, I actually don't even want to eat today. That to this year right. was the first year I didn't even want to eat on Thanksgiving to, to mm. speak to your point. But mm. mm-hmm. go ahead, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's just a lot of dumbassery. Uh, and, and a lot of people just don't study, don't study human body, don't study the biology. Yeah. So, you know, when I was in my 20s, I got deep into, um, like I said, I was in a, I was watching a conscious community online and they didn't only talk about religion and history. They also talked about science and the human body. So we got into stuff like Dr. Layla Africa, Dr. Sabi. Um, like I said, Minister Inky. So I was getting into the science of the human body because everybody said know thyself. So I was starting to look into like Ayurvedic and, and herbal medicine and explain and doctor. St- explain the Doctor Sabi uh, uh, phenomenon a little bit because I've looked into it too, and I think that the the science behind it seems almost ironclad, and it's it's not really a, a uh, it's not so much a departure from mainstream or conventional science says about the human body and health and wellness it's the remedy that that is more of a departure for for sabian you know like the the for example everybody in your mainstream health care community uh medical community would agree that inflammation right and and an acidic an acidic uh the, the acidic level in your body helps to promote free radicals, oxidative stress, all these other things that that harm the body can potentially catalyze cancer and, you know, high blood pressure, all these other things. So they yeah. all agree on that. But yet and still, our uh, food pyramid does not reflect your standard food pyramid. I don't know if it's ever been changed since the when it was inception, you know, slightly when, updated, slightly updated. I mean, not not of of substance, you know, mm-hmm. uh, certainly doesn't reflect this thinking about having an alkaline rich uh you know internal internal uh environment for for your for your body uh talk about your 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 uh research with with sabian and what so, you think about it yeah so uh i i learned about dr sabi through uh left eye uh mm-hmm. the late great left eye so i was watching her documentary and she was talking about how she had um a disease 
And she went to Dr. Sabi and Dr. Sabi cured her. And I was like, who the fuck is Dr. Sabi? So I started looking up the lectures and and then I started fact checking them. You know, I was like, well, what does the white man say about this? And I was looking it up. And every time he would say something, I would fact check it. And I was like, yo, this stuff is checking out like he's technically right. He's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his main thing was like, uh, I won't say all, but majority diseases, like a buildup of mucus. Yeah. And you, so you see that, uh, you know, when you get a cold or the flu and your nose is snotting and your body is trying to, like, get rid of this mucus. Um, so, um, you know, so I started doing my research. And at the time I, I went I went full vegan and um, that was some of the best that was some of the best time of my life. I mean, I, I can't remember feeling so I felt really good when I was a vegan. Uh, and then I started slowed in, into uh, vegetarian, and then now I'm just back to just a shitty diet, mostly because of, of laziness. Um, but I want to get back to that because I remember how I felt. Because I remember um, lifting and, and hitting the gym uh, under the meat diet and bulking up and being 180 pounds and looking big. But I also remember how I felt. Like I didn't feel good. Like I looked big. But internally, I didn't have a lot of energy and I felt sluggish. Um, you know, I didn't feel good. It's really hard to express your, how you feel about your energy. Yeah. Um, and then when I went vegan, I slimmed down, but I had way more energy and I was stronger. So I was like, OK, size does not equal strength. <laughs> right? um, whereas before, like I was bigger, but I wasn't as strong. Do you um, think I got a question for you? Do do you do you believe? Because you know, there there has to there there is obviously. I talked. We about, done lost all your viewers right now because you know white people love steak. <laughs> I love steak too, but you know I'm I'm uh what am I? 15, I love steak too. What am I? Fifteen percent, twenty percent Norwegian. So maybe maybe that's it. I was just going to ask you a question along those same lines. Um, do you? Do you obviously there's some merit to genetics? We all know that mm-hmm. there has to be merit mm-hmm. to genetics. When my son comes out, he looks just like me. My daughter looks just like I got four kids. All four of them you could pick out of a crowd of 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 of, of nine to twelve year olds and go, those are Royce's kids, right? So mm-hmm. there's obviously something to genetics. Now I'm not a social Darwinist or a Darwinist, and I think those scientific academic traditions were used to justify racism and a bunch of other things in an improper way. But there's actually a a proper use of genetic uh, uh, mapping and tracing and things like that that don't necessarily need to be culturally and politically weaponized. Do you think that the diet you use or the diet uh, for you is specific to your genetics? Do you think that some people would do better on a carnivore diet or do you think the entire human baseline would be better without meat? Because I I hear a lot of people saying they went to just meat carnivore and that they're they're solving a lot of their health issues through that means and, and method. Or do you think maybe just having a consistent diet, whatever it may be, is probably the key to to some success? What what's your feeling on on it? I don't know. Uh, all I know is if there's one group of people who are more who who live better off of a non blood diet, and there's another group of people who live better off of a blood diet, mm-hmm. might say something about who those people are. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like everybody talks about the Illuminati and they have all these like 
blood drinking parties and you know whatnot yeah. but if you're the type of person that wants to cons- that that needs to cons- needs to consume dead animals which i call blood products it might say something about where you come from it might say something about the origins of your race mm. i'm not mad at that i'm not mad at that definitely something to look into i love a good ribeye steak i'm not gonna lie I'm just. I do too. I just. I I had. I had a wonderful steak a couple of weeks ago. You know what's crazy about it too? I never really was into steak. It wasn't until I got into and started running political um, and and getting into politics, where a lot of your dinners and things and your just meetings with 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 other people and and the community come over dinner, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and I was sort of introduced to steak through that process. Like I had all I had eaten steak when I was young, growing up, a number of times. You know. Uh, first of all, I didn't really, wasn't really that well off. So, you know, my mom kind of fed me whatever, whatever we could get that was convenient. Never was really a steak. Every once in a while, grandpa would take me, we'd go have steak or something like that. But, but, um, when I got turned on to steak, I don't know what it is. I, I just find myself craving steak every once in a while. I know people are probably bored with this, but you know, it's just, it's, it's an interesting, uh, when you talk about Sabi, I think people should look into it. I think people should look into it. They won't. They won't. They yeah, won't. I know. But you, if you, if you have a mind and heart to hear and see, um, you look into some of these people who have alternate, look at, look at Dr. Um, my, my late friend, uh, Zev Zelenko. There's another mm-hmm. uh, off the grid, off the beaten path, alternative medicine type of doctor. And he was the first one to call foul um, for the COVID-19 protocol uh, out of the East Coast. And he was also uh, an individual who was so courageous. He went before the rabbinical court in Israel and told the rabbinical court, the high rabbinical court, do not let them vaccinate the Jews. Don't let them do mm. it. Don't let them vaccinate us. It's gonna if it's not gonna exterminate us now, it's gonna set a precedent that will eventually be used and weaponized against against us. So, um, looking the to, rabbinate don't care about Jews. Well, that's a whole nother subject, which w- one we'll get into. Matter of fact, great great segue. Let's talk about Israel. I want to hear your opinion on what's going on with Israel. I said earlier. Let me start with this. I said earlier today on Twitter. Um, there was this five-minute rant I went on. It must have been Wednesday evening uh, about Zionism, about Israel being the linchpin of New World Order, something that I expressed on your show as well. And uh, going back to World War II and, and how nationalism, fascism, Zionism, Nazism all get clumped into one big category. So anybody who believes in having a border anywhere around the world is a danger to the Jews. And I said, I wish my Jewish brothers and sisters, I use Jewish as a, as a common term, not a technical one, but any of my Jewish brothers and sisters would stop allowing their identity to be used to justify globalism. The same way I wish many of my black brothers and sisters would stop allowing their identity to be used to justify Marxism. And say, you have a right to exist. Everybody has a right to exist. I mean, that kind of goes without saying, right? Everybody has a right to exist. That's a God-given right. But you don't have a right to be the linchpin of New World Order. And you don't have the right to participate. in you know, that, that, that is a, a step way too far for where we are today. Give me your thoughts on, on what's taking place in Israel right now and your, your historical understanding of it. Mm. Where you want to start at? Let's go back to the, Bal- the uh, Balfour Declaration. Okay. Um, 
So the creation of Israel, right? Yeah. So the creation of Israel is uh, based upon a British mandate, right? So uh, the argument goes, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, uh, a place for Jews, right? Et cetera, et cetera. And there were, there was an agreement, right? And a deal was put uh, on the table uh, for the Palestinians, right? And uh, it was a good deal, and the Palestinians should have took the deal, but they didn't. And every time they come to the table with a deal, they just say no to the deal. And um, I know one of the first deals that came to the table, again, is called a British mandate, basically saying the Brits are calling the shots, not the Jews, not the Palestinians. The Brits are calling the shots because they won the war, right? And he said this section right here that's called Palestine. We're going to go ahead and, and issue a mandate uh, on on what happens here. And they rejected it. They rejected it. They basically they basically said, um, you know, um, this is a bad deal because we don't have autonomy in our own state. You have the autonomy. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. So the the way it looks to me was it was a takeover right it was a takeover it was never a, an intent to make this place uh, a a two state system it was uh it was subversive and somewhat hostile takeover right so and i'm basing that uh on on numbers right so right. when the british set the mandate in israel um uh, you know, the, the Jews had already started moving in prior to, right? And then there's immigration. Then there is uh, a council set up, right? And this council, they said they wanted, this is one of the things that the Arabs rejected. They were like, you want it to be an even amount of Jews to Palestinians on the council, but it's less Jews than us? That doesn't make any sense. So we're saying no to that, right? So, Anyway, fast forward to make this thing um, clear, concise, and fast. The whole world participated in investing in the Jews in that region. Um, global Jewish power, uh, American power, British power, and other forces literally invested in setting up the Israel state. Now, at the time, they said it wasn't supposed to be a state. This was supposed to be a settlement of places it's supposed to be. But when you look at the amount of money that was invested in it, and this is based upon a report, an, a, an, a dated report, okay, by the Brits that document all of this. So I'm getting this from the Brits, a report from that time. So I'm not, you know, pulling this from no video on YouTube. I'm telling you what the Brits said in their own mandate and how things went down, how the Brit own British report went. Yeah. And, um, you know, what it looks like is just massive uh, immigration where you watch the Jewish numbers start to explode. Um, and it looked like uh, sort of like what people are afraid of in Ireland, uh, what people here in America are afraid of. Right. Where you have all these uh, immigrants coming over and they're they're taking over. Right. That's what you had in Palestine, where Jews were being imported and they were being um, they were being um, convinced to be uh, sent there, sent there. Right. Um, a lot of this comes through Hitler as well, because before Hitler started uh, 
Well, actually, Hitler didn't kill the Jews. It was technically it was Himmler. Himmler was the one that was doing all the killing under the name of, of of the Nazi regime. But that's another story for another day. Most people don't read books, so they wouldn't know that. Yeah. Um, the technical so, uh, the technical aspects of chain of command during Nazi Germany and the Holocaust is something that people overlook because hey, yeah, we got a pre baked narrative, and if you if you say anything that goes against that narrative, you're automatically uh, enemy of the Jews. Is one of the greatest, one of the greatest yeah. psyops done uh, on 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 humanity uh, in, in in history. But continue. Yeah, um, the greatest the greatest enemy of the Jew is the Jew. The greatest enemy of the black man is the black man. The greatest enemy of the white man is the white man. Jews have been thrown under the bus by their own rabbinic councils since Catherine the Great mm -hmm. in Russia. So if you want to track down what happened with Jews, you got to go look how Catherine was dealing with the rabbinate. And the rabbinate, they were operating like the Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn, where it's like, um, you know, you're not allowed to read anything but Yiddish. Don't learn math. Don't learn skills. Don't learn how to farm. Um, instead, learn how to make the Europeans till your land. And then once the Europeans stopped working with you, you had Jews like that fell into like extreme poverty and famine. Mm. And this is all brought about by the rabbinate and the rabbinate was the one calling the shots. You got the same thing happen to Jews during the pandemic where 90% of them were vaccinated, forced vaccinated, right? Um, so like Jews, the, the greatest enemy to the Jew is their their council, their, their, their leaders. Right. And that's why I say it's not really an anti-Semitic thing. It's more like an establishment versus the rest of us thing. And everybody looks at it like, that's why I don't do the whole, you know, Jews are bad thing because I'm like, which Jews are you talking about? The fake Jews that follow Moloch or, you know, good Jewish people. Cause I know good Jewish people that are fooled into following the star of Moloch. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And there's a difference between them and the people that know it's Moloch. Uh, that they were invoking with that star, right? right? So anyway, um, coming back to the real. So yeah, so it looked like um, according to the um, according to the document, I can pull it up on my phone if you want to know the name of it. Hold on, I'm gonna show you just so people know where I'm pulling my sources from, so they don't yeah. know that so they don't think this is while some. You're, while you're looking it up, I wanna I wanna reiterate uh, the same thing can be said for Christians. The greatest enemy of the right now we have a yeah we have a uh, we have a huge. Uh, mainstream media propaganda about the the danger to Christians from Muslims uh the same thing can be said about the Muslims and in, in the Arab in the Arab world the biggest enemy to the the Muslim has been the Muslim uh it, it's true of every group of people and you almost can't even say that which I don't understand because it, it for the party let's say the Republican party or the conservative movement the the party of individual accountability uh, it, it places that accountability at the doorstep of each group of people, which is ex exactly the opposite of what the Marxists uh, do in order to try and uh, galvanize political capital for whatever means that they, they they plan to use it for. But, you know, all we're saying is, hey, look in the mirror first before you start to say who's, you know, who did what to me? What did I do to myself? And, and, and nothing. But, well, and we could say and I said this yesterday or I think I said it the other day. When I was talking, when I was talking to Sonny yesterday, but the other day as well. I mean, even think about the inception of 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 America, and I and I want to hear you. You had a take about black people already being in America or in the Americas when when the European settlers uh, arrived. But certainly, there was a slave trade that that was documented. Whether the extent of it or how many slaves actually came 
through the transatlantics, all of that is to be three percent. Okay, somewhere but, around three But 3%. there were some that came through the slave trade. Um, Absolutely. My, my my point is that um, this entire story is told about about the Europeans um, colonizing uh, America as if there were just one homogenous group of Europeans and there was one homogenous group <laughs> of Native American tribes and they had this big epic clash on the battlefield and then one lost and the other one, you know, just continued to exterminate them. When nothing could be further from the truth, that the Native American tribes were already at, in conflict, as you would expect any tribal land to be, and the Europeans yeah. were already in conflict in Europe when when the thing went down. And not only that, they continued to be in conflict once the Europeans settled here in America amongst themselves. That's how we had the French Revolution and the American Revolution, and the you know so on and so forth. Um, so it, it's just a, a mistelling of history how cookie cutter they try and they try and explain a lot of these very nuanced and complex histories. Um, and it benefits it. First of all, it benefits the establishment if you're unwilling to deal with the detail and nuance, but also it, it really harms you at an individual level because you start to miss out how, you know, for us black people, for example, don't be saying that you're, don't be tying us in with the, with the, with the indigenous native Americans. Give me a break. And if you want to do it, the similarity is the Arabs and the Europeans wouldn't have been able to colonize Africa without African despots and warlords and sellouts taking a deal, brokering a deal. And they're still brokering deals. Yeah. Who's, in charge in the, who's in charge in the Congo? Who's in charge in, in Kinshasa? Who's in charge in, uh, you know, who killed Gaddafi? Why did you, you would need some cooperation, yeah. Who, who would, how did they, how did the, how did the African Union, it, it it's very clear. How did the African Union allow Hillary Clinton, now that we're bringing it back full circle, mm. how did they allow Hillary Clinton and the State Department to assassinate Muammar Gaddafi and they still do business with the West? I mean, if we, you know, are they are they not willing to die for their beliefs? You know, so this this stuff is complicated, but but go ahead if you if you have the article to source. I can't find it. Oh, okay. I'm cool. so pissed too because I didn't finish reading it. It's all good. It's all well. When you find, we'll have you back on the show, and you can bring us a. You, we'll give you a whole document show where you show the Hotep Jesus source material, um, and we'll do it. You know what we'll actually do? We'll bring it up on the screen. I got this cool little feature where we can bring up content with a side by side with me and you. This shit is important though. Like, yeah. Why don't I have a copy of this? Yeah. Like when I say this document is like. It's the one you got to read to understand what was going on at the time period between um, the Jews and the Palestinians based upon the own British Mandate Report. Yeah. Somebody in your audience probably knows what report I'm talking about, but this is the British Mandate Report um, in regard to uh, Palestine and all of that stuff. Um, but it's all good. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, so Himmler was the one that was really executing Jews. Yeah. Um, and, and he was doing that shit without Hitler's permission. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh, you also had Trotsky was another Jew that was eliminating Jews. Some people say Stalin was a Jew. He was killing Jews. So you got Jews killing Jews. just like you got black on black crime. You got Jewish crime. Right. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, so when we look at, you know, the, 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 the situation in Israel, um, it was a hostile takeover. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a very sneaky move by the British, right? And even the British got kicked out. You know about the bombing, right? Right, right. When they bombed the embassy, or was it the hotel? It was the hotel. Hold on. 
Uh, hold on, I'm gonna type in British bombing. The British were definitely in the uh, were the, the British Empire was definitely um in the area and were taking on a lot of fire or com combatants from the people that lived in the in the land that would yeah, later they, become the state of Israel for sure. Yeah, they were trying to keep peace between the two people because there was a lot of rebellion from the Palestinians. They didn't like you know. They felt like, you know, uh, the Jews were coming in and they was eating good. Kind of like, you know, people mad at the migrants today. They're coming in, they're eating good, and we not, right? right so they was coming right. in, eating good. Everybody's taking care of them. You got three world powers taking care of the Jews when they came in. I'm talking about the King Hotel, King David Hotel bombing. Mm. This is uh, July 22nd, 1946, by a militant right-wing Zionist underground organization called Ergun. The Ergun, right? so, yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, when you talk as a about, matter of fact, uh, when you talk about the Urgoon, this this is the um, this is the Israeli special forces uh, assassin origins. assassin group origin. Yeah, that that that, that leads straight to the lineage of, of Bibi Netanyahu's time as a um, as a spook. Correct. Correct. Right. So, you know, they 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 say that. So there's two people. When you talk about terrorism, there's two people. One group that comes to mind first is Arabs. And the truth of the matter is uh, terrorism was first perfected by the Irish and then secondly uh, by Ergun, um, uh the Zionist organization. These are the two, first two. And this is on Wikipedia. You type in terrorism, Wikipedia tells you this stuff. Yeah. Now, I knew this before Wikipedia, but I show it on people on Wikipedia so they know this ain't no... You know, funny money stuff. This is history, right? Well, let's and go back. Dealing... Let's go back even earlier. If you want to go back to the origins of of terrorism, you have to go back to um, why the you know why they call the Sicarios Sicarios. The Sicar were um, this this was a group of during the Roman and Jewish Revolution, uh, the first Roman the first Roman and Jewish War. Um, the Jews had organized certain assassin groups that were knife assassins, and uh, they would they would move about the crowd uh, in in what is now Israel and Judea, but where they fought the Romans off or the Roman occupation, which they felt they were occupied by the Romans early on in the in the, when the thing began, which you can make the argument they were. Mm -hmm. You could also make the argument that to the victor goes to spoils if you have a better military than we do, then you deserve to have the land if you fight for it. That's the basis of America's existence for sure, right? And, and any other nation that fought a war, I mean, why do we allow China to pretend like uh, Tibet and, and Mongolia are natural parts of the Chinese dynasty, it, the, the, the yeah. China dynasty? doesn't make any sense. But if yeah. you win a war, if you're stronger than your opponent, we live by that sort of Darwin manual. Um, right. But 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 my point is, um, early on in the the first Roman Jewish War, they had uh, the Sicario and and the Zealots, right? That's where the word Zealot comes from. These mm. were assassin groups that would move about the crowd with Roman festivities, or and they would knife Romans from under cloaks, and they would fade back into the crowd, right? Mm. I mean, these were early, early assassins. That Sounds like Assassin's Creed. It's exactly like that, yeah. And you can mm. look up look up Zealots, look up the origin. The origins of the Sicario. You got to scroll past the great film produced with uh with uh what's my guy's name uh uh, uh been a been a um uh, what's my guy's name uh that plays in Sicario. Great actor, uh uh Del Toro. 
I forget his name now. Now, mm. uh, I never saw that movie. Oh, you never seen it? It's about mm. it's a it's about a Colombian assassin. It's about a Colombian hitman that's basically commissioned by the CIA to fight or control, let's say, for lack of a better phrase, uh, the Mexican cartels of the time. So, but anyway, there's okay. great merit to to the fact that uh, some of the first assassins or or you know terrorists uh that we know public terrorists that we know come from the the history of the jews fighting against the romans but go ahead absolutely yeah, yeah. so you know everybody thinks it's arabs that you know and it's like yo nah jews they kind of perfected terrorism as well you know what i'm saying so and again i always point to king david hotel bombing and most people don't know about that um so let's talk about palestine mm -hmm. i don't fuck with them neither you know what I'm saying? I got fucked over in a deal with a, Pal a Palestinian fucked me over in a deal. You know how people talk about how Jews fuck people over in a deal? I got fucked over in a deal by a Palestinian. Okay? <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking like, how you mad at the Jews and you operating like people say they do? Right? So from a personal aspect, I'm like, fuck Palestine. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't mean that seriously, but yeah. I got fucked in a deal by a Palestinian, so it's fuck Palestine, yeah. Pers right? That's personal, anecdotal evidence. personal reference. This, yeah. this is personal, okay? This is personal. Um, and um, so, yeah. So, anyway, Palestine. Um, they got their ass whooped, right? You got your ass whooped, and, you know, uh, so it comes down to uh, realism and idealism. That's what the Palestine... Uh, argument comes down to Palestine uh, conflict comes down to um, idealistically. Yeah. You want everybody to be kumbaya, shake hands and have peace. Right. But realistically it's like, nah, Britain came in, they whooped ass. They made a deal, said this place is going to be for um, the, uh, for Palestine. And Oh yeah, we're going to bring some Jews in and uh, well, you know, we just so happen to support those Jews and invest in them Oh, oh, wow. It just happened to turn into a state. You know, to me, I'm like, well, that's colonization, right? Yeah. It fucking happens, right? Yeah. Uh, you got to take that shit on the chin and move accordingly, right? Um, so same thing happened in America, right? Where if you talk about what happened to the natives, the average white man is going to tell you, well, it's colonization. It just happened. That's how things are. And it's a great nation now. And well, that's the same way I'm going to talk about fucking Israel, right? right? At the same time, if the Palestinians decide to kick your ass or try to, I kind of would expect that. Just like the same way you would expect the natives to roll up on you when they get a chance and, and let those arrows loose or, or start scalping people. That's, that's the nature of war. So to, the so, nature you, of war. so, you know, so to, to have your skirt flying up in the air, anytime people go to war and it's not to your advantage or not to your liking kind of shows you, you, you know, you, you're, you're a front runner in sports. We call that front running. You know, when you're up yeah. by, when you're up by 30, everybody's cheering and clapping and high fiving. The real players right. are when you're in a gridlock battle, when it's tie game, you know, like the Michael Jordan always said, show you know, talk shit when you're when when the game's when you're down. Right. Talk shit when you're down ten. That's what I want to see. That's how I know you're a real killer. When you're down ten points, then I want to hear you talk that same shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I you it's a it's a perfect example. Again, you could use America. When you say colonization, we all go retrospect and think about the history. But let's go forward. 
and think about how we're all being recolonized now by ideology, right? So, and, and we all kind of talk about the, the right to uh, fight back against that colonization, like globalism, for example. A lot of us in the conservative movement, a lot of people who support Donald Trump, we want to talk about fighting back or the right to fight back or resist, do not comply, non-compliance with globalism as a political or geopolitical movement. Well, what do you think that fighting back? I mean, there's levels of that at each at each level. Uh, I mean, at each uh, juncture of, of what you could call colonization or or tyranny. Right. The Arabs have a right to they have a right to exist. And when you say they don't have a right to exist, you set the precedent. You 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 set the, the stage for violence. I mean, we just know that blessed is a peacemaker for he could be called a child of God. As soon as anybody starts saying another group doesn't have the right to exist, we go into war. I mean, that's just yeah. you, you want to fight. That's what it is. Well, you're basically saying you you don't have the right to exist either. Yes, without saying one day somebody's going to say that. And you know what? That's what the mafia used to do. The, the, the way the mafia structure was, not to go on a tangent here, but I think the mafia structure really spoke to this, although, you know, everybody rules are meant to be broken, right? I guess you could say. Um, but... The whole point of the mafia structure was that you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't authorize a hit without the okay from the boss or from the commission right. because everybody would just be killing everybody. And you especially couldn't kill a boss without permission from another from the entire commission because if you did that there'd always be some young guy who wanted to be a boss who shot his tried to shoot his way to the top. Right. So they try to place a, a, a culture or a cultural cap on the violence so that they could do the business. The business was, you know, their business was criminal, but everybody's business has its own unique variety to it. Let's say, I mean, to 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 depict the mafia as this criminal organization. But you think Lockheed Martin is like a, a saint, a saint of uh, of good business, the good business bureau. I mean, give me a fucking break. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah. You're signing your own death warrant when you have unconstrained uh, amounts of, uh, you know, inhumanity, inhumanity. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So where you fall on the thing right now when it comes to Israel and Palestine? Well, here's the thing. Where do you think the where do you think black people you see a rise in the support for Trump? Right. And I think a lot of that is uh, um, a lot of that is the bubbling up of 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 the Hotep worldview, right? Uh, these black, you know, red pilled men uh, that that are asking these very reasonable, logical, sane questions about the hierarchy. I call it the hatriarchy now, but the the, the, the hierarchy <laughs> of uh, of of American political power. You got Christians in there as well. I mean, there's some red me. I'm a red pilled Catholic. Your mom was Catholic too. Shout out to to Mama Mama uh, Hotep. Well, uh, she wasn't Catholic. She raised me Catholic. Oh, but she okay. wasn't Catholic. Oh, she wasn't Catholic she, though. Mm-hmm. But you can't. She, you, my my dad was raised Catholic, and so because my dad was Catholic, she wanted me to be Catholic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, ca- the Catholic the Catholic church. The Catholic Church has even look. Nobody's pacifying the Catholic Church more so than there's there's never been. As right when there's a hotel movement and black men are starting to question the hatriarchy or hierarchy of American political power, your Catholic constituency all across the world are starting to question the 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 power there in Rome and the Vatican and what they now call the deep church, right? Mm. Um, you know, our my my uh the great archbishop 
Vigano has been very, very critical of of the Pope. He won't even call him the Pope. He calls him the Argentine. Uh, and he, he's, he's speaking about the globalism and, and the deep church as well. But uh, my point is the rise of, of the black vote for Donald Trump, the support for black vote, uh, the black vote for Donald Trump reaching a level I don't think I've seen in my entire life. I don't think I've ever seen the black vote at a 49% clip of support for a Republican candidate in my entire life. In, yeah. in 30 years, I've never seen it. Um, yeah. Do you think that a, a lot of that is is due to the, the, the Hotep uh, no. movement bubbling up? No. No? No. Who do you I'd love to take credit for that, but I think it's got to do with the fact that they bank accounts suffering. Oh, you think it's that? Do you think it's that surface? Of course. Yeah. Black people are natural capitalists, bro. Yeah. We go to the club and we throw money in you the think air. That, but do you, I, I feel like, I feel, I, I don't know. I mean, I look, black people are also used to not having money, right? I mean, just traditionally speaking, black people are used to, to making, you know, cutting corners to make ends meet and struggling and, and clawing and scraping to make ends meet. I know I come from a family where everybody has to chip in with everybody at some point to make ends meet. I think, I think black people are actually starting to wake up to the contradiction. And I think even Israel and Palestine is somewhat at the heart of it, but it's more the LGBTQ. I think the LGBTQ is really the, the, the trap door that the Democrats are going to fall through. Cause every black person I meet who, who I have, have a conversation with about what's going on at the public schools, even if they vote Democrat, they all unanimously say it's out of control to try and push this on our kids. What do mm -hmm. you, what do you think? Now, that's a part of that whole red pill, you know, uh, mentality, right? Is the the rejection of that LGBTQ emphasis? I don't even see that. I don't see a rejection of it in the black community. No. I see toleration. Oh, I'm, I don't see. I'm, oh, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing people. I'm seeing people step up and go. Nah, not that. Now, most of a lot of people. Me with the kids. Yes. Oh, with the kids. Yes. Yes. With the kids, the black men are the most vocal. Absolutely. Like they're they're the ones you see at the you know city council meetings, and the white people get the black man to talk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, black people are definitely um, definitely the main ones uh, pushing back against that in city council, etc. They're not they're not gonna accept that. Yeah, white man kind of got cooked. He he don't really do much. He don't really fight back like he's supposed to. Um, so what so do you what do you think about? What do you think? So you, you go go in further about the the economic piece because you you come from you know do, being involved in in the economic side and the the tech industry. And yeah, things I just like I just think that you know money from my own personal experience, right? Um, when I do a live show, uh, people donate super chats, right? So when I see, um, if you look at the numbers now compared to what I was doing before, it's like ten x, right? So I was doing 10x before what I'm doing now. And I contribute that to the fact that people just don't have as much disposable income. Um, so I know if it's hurting the, the, the middle class, it's definitely hurting the lower class, right? Mm. So, um, but you even had people like Sexy Red come out and say, yo, Trump was sending checks around, like bring Trump back, right? right. And the PPP loans, like a lot of niggas was scamming the PPP loans and that money made it around the hood, right? So, but overall, I think the nation was more prosperous financially than it is 
uh, under the Biden administration. So I think people are looking at inflation and looking at how much it costs to put gas uh, in my car, how much it costs to put food in my refrigerator. And people are going never again. Mm. I think that's the motivating factor for black for black people. Black people are, are centered around money. Uh, all you gotta do is listen to our music. It's all, it's all about lifestyle and money. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and it's sort of, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, genetics and all of that. And, you know, should we eat red meat? I think, I think money's in the black man's genetics. Mm. Um, you know, uh, going back to ancient Kemet where capitalism was invented. Uh, Shaka has a wonderful lecture on that. And it's based upon a book written by, uh, a great intellectual, uh, out of one of these universities. Um, so, you know, capitalism was born in Africa, uh, and it's in our, it's in our DNA. I mean, you go look at King Mansa Musa, King Mansa Musa destabilized the Egyptian economy because he was tossing gold everywhere. He was tossing gold coins everywhere. Rich, rich, black African, right? Mali empire. Like, yeah. So like we talking about somebody who was walking around with gold chains on, right? Um, he had a so, caravan. He had, they said he had a caravan where people were dying because he was transporting gold with him when he traveled, his gold, people were carrying it. And, and, uh, how long were those caravans? They said, they said they reached like, um, uh, miles. hundreds of miles where he was just bringing miles. all the, all the gold he had with him on, on, uh, expeditions or travels. And, uh, yeah, the, I mean, he's the, the richest man in history. Um, uh, richest man in history. Monta Musa right? from the Mali empire. Yeah. Right. So we don't man get, you history. don't become the richest man in history. If you're not a capitalist, it's not possible. <laughs> there you go, right? Right, right? So it's in our DNA to, to love money. And I think under Biden, it just, you know, it got harder. I know for me, it got harder. Yeah. The corporations I work with, it got harder. Uh, and I think people are are voting based upon their pockets. Do you think that's a, so what do you see? Let's let's talk about the, the politics of it uh, and feel mm -hmm. free to, to, to um, weave that into anything you want. Because you, you're a nuanced thinker like that, but um, let's let's talk about this election cycle coming up. What are your thoughts on the election in 2024? Will we have one? Some people are saying we won't. Do you think it's still right for us to to vote, even if they find a way to cheat? What what role do you think the black vote plays in it? Um, you know, we saw that Atlanta had an 11,000 vote spread on paper between mm. Trump and Biden, so that's a very small number comparatively to the entire data set of, of votes. Um, so we know that the greater Atlanta area or the black metropolitan areas all across the country will come to bear heavily on the, the paper outcome of the elections, mm. the paper results. Mm. Um, mm. Well, what do you think about the election coming up? So here? votes don't matter. We live in a republic and it comes down to the electors. The electors elect the president. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, let's call it speed of speed. Uh, so you're saying, so you're saying Mike Pence was a cuck for not, for not, for, for trying to, uh, uh, you know, he was a cuck. Mike Pence was a cuck for trying to run with the establishment narrative that the electors aren't a real factor, that it's all about the the vote, the vote, the, the ballots. He said that? Well, that's kind of what he did. I mean, right? I mean, the entire D.C., the entire D.C. elite apparatus, when Donald Trump said, hey, we need to send this back to the, you know, to, he asked Mike Pence not to validate um, or, yeah. or to hold the, 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 the validation of the election because he thought it was fraudulent, uh, which right. I think it was fraudulent too. I think elections has been fraudulent for a long time. We used to all believe that when we make movies about 
the Koch brothers, for example, in the movie The Campaign with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis, and you had two brothers, the Mach twins, which are really the Koch brothers, in my opinion, uh, coming mm -hmm. in and dumping money for one candidate or the other to play the game mm -hmm. of politics. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's what you're saying is that the electors really, really decide the election. Yeah, but the Democrats played a better game. Uh, I always talk about this. Uh, so SBF was the second largest donor to um, the Democratic campaign, right? Yeah. And one of his family members, you check Vox.com, one of his family members created a statistical model. So the issue is Republicans just aren't smart and Democrats are really fucking smart, right? And they got the young, you know, collegiate people and they got the tech. For example, if you ever go to a rally for uh, Republicans and going to go to a rally for a Democrat or just like some of the activist stuff on the leftist side, mm -hmm. you see a lot of computers and technology with the leftists. And when you go to the right rallies, all you see are like coffee mugs, right? The right's not really technologically advanced like that because they skew higher in age and everybody's a fucking boomer and they don't know shit, right? None of them have crypto or anything like that. So it's just a bunch of fucking old farts that are just antiquated. Um, <laughs> so when it comes to, you know, winning the last my election, they created my this. apologies to all the boomers in the crew. You got to take it for what it is. I know you don't like, I know it makes you feel uncomfortable. I know when I bring Sonny Johnson and Hotep Jesus on, you know, you, I know you want to hear Tim Scott come up on the podium and tell you how things are going to go back to the way they were when it was much better with the apple pie in the 4th of July day parades. I know you want that. But when Hotep Jesus t tells you, look, Sam Bankman Freed and Mark Zuckerberg put, you know, he put $250 million of his own personal cash into the election for the Democrats. No telling what he's doing on the technological side. Using cryptocurrency. If you don't get familiar with this, you look, you, you still may lose anyway. Let's get clear. You might actually become, you might prioritize the technology and still end up losing. But I guarantee you, if you don't become familiar with this and accept and acknowledge how we're getting beaten this way, we'll never win again. That's a fact. He took one of the Red White's heroes, Tom Brady, and used Tom Brady. They bought a stadium or sponsored a stadium, I should say. Used them to pump all the yacht capital into FTX and then ran a Ponzi scheme and stole y'all money and then gave it. To the Democrats. So that you're okay. saying they use the love for the New England Patriots and Tom Brady as the greatest white athlete of all time to siphon money and funnel money back to the Democrats through cryptocurrency and a in a in a Ponzi scheme. You see how you're Bingo. getting you see how you're getting played? So when I come on and tell you you're getting fucking played, can you can you can you just swallow your fucking pride and acknowledge and admit that this shit is going down, is going down right now? Go ahead, continue, brother. So the Democrats deal heavily in money. They deal heavily in banking. They deal heavily. Uh, libertarians skew more in the crypto in the crypto realm. But when you have these technologies and emerging technologies, emerging monies, and you don't participate in, and other people do, well, guess what? They're gonna have the power, right? So all the all the fucking boomers and shit, they don't touch crypto, whatever, whatever. And then crypto is used against them, and an election stolen from them, right? Right. So it's not just you know the ballot harvesting or the ballot stuffing or the just, you know, the machines don't work or that contributes to it. I will not deny that. But they had a statistical model, right? So they got all the little math geniuses together. And what happened was um, 
I think it was his aunt. I think it was SBF's aunt or something like that. Uh, maybe it was Linda Freed. I can't can't remember. Anyway, um, and Vox did a story on this, and basically said, um, what we're gonna do is we're going to dump money into uh, specific campaigns on the last day because you know there's a deadline that you gotta have your money in. So it looked like Republicans were outraising candidates in several areas. But instead, what happened was Democrats were putting the money into like an escrow account and then waited till the last day and then dumped the money. And it was too late for the Republicans to counteract the money. And all of a sudden you found out in certain places, certain candidates outraised the Republicans two to one, three to one, ten to one. Right. Mm. So they're smarter. Right. They're playing a better game. Right. And it was based upon a statistical model because they looked at what districts and regions they should play this game in, right? So they're using their brain. So that was, to me, I think that's how they won the election. I think it came down to FTX, the statistical model, Sam Bankman fried being the second largest donor to the Democrats, and then knowing where to put that money, right? Mm -hmm. Because some districts, Republicans aren't paying attention to, right? So they go, okay, get that district. Oh, they don't pay attention to this one. They oh, think you'll they love this. You'll, you'll, wait, you'll love this one, uh, Hotep. Here in Minnesota, we lost the the uh, the legislator, the state legislature, right? Here in Minnesota, the Senate district that was the deciding seat for control of the House, the state house, the Republicans didn't even run a candidate in. We didn't. We didn't even run a candidate in the race, a, a state Senate race. We couldn't find. You have a Minnesota GOP that gets together and they eat fucking chicken wings and drink beer and they talk about the good old days and how crime is 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 on the loose. You know, we, we got to watch for all of this B&E, uh, all these breaking and enterings, right? Uh, or it's, you know, the other way where it's just leave the, leave, the, uh, leave the animals to their own devices and let the liberals have to deal with them type of deal. Right. Mm-hmm. Shit, we got to get out of the, the movement or else we're never really going to be able to get over that final hump and have that real populist uh, uprising that we that we so desire. Um, but these people get together all year long and they circle jerk each other uh, and they don't deal with the precinct strategy. The great Dan Schultz, the precinct strategy is trying to start a movement that tells and shows and informs people on how to become a precinct committeeman, a chair in the Republican Party. Because these are the people who elect the RNC, who are the people going to decide whether you fight back uh, post-election results or what the strategy is in general, right? Right now, the strategy from the RNC is don't talk about abortion, don't talk about elections, don't do a, don't uh, question the war in the Ukraine, which we've already lost, and definitely don't question any war in the Middle East with Israel. Right? That's their strategy, right? That's the RNC's strategy. Okay, um, they. They they are uh, they're they're never talking about um, they're never talking about technology or the use of 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 media or the use of I mean this is this is so far out of their purview so far they actually lost control of the state house and didn't even run a candidate I mean how can you not find a candidate for the deciding vote of the control of the house in, in your state. I mean, all these people should be fired. I don't even know, but you know what it is? The Republican movement, the conservative movement, 
And this is why I love Steve. And Steve streams the podcast every night on, on War Room's Getter page and Rumble page. And, and the America First movement is, is trying to become a new brand of the Republican Party, the conservative movement, which I think they're having some success with, as the poll numbers may suggest with, with Trump. But um, the Republican Party's problem is guys like you, they're afraid of. I mean, you just can't even – they can't even deal with you. I mean, they're like – you know, the, and I just tell, pull your fucking skirt down. You're a little, exactly. Sonny said it great yesterday. She said, the Republican Party is supposed to be the party of meritocracy. You motherfuckers have been getting your ass kicked for a long time. So how are you still here? You're not letting any new people in. There's nothing meritocratic about that. This is a good old boys, country club, silk stock and Republican Party still. We got to kick these people out. But continue. I'm sorry. No, nah, that's exactly it. Um, I think the last piece to this all was uh, a huge state of fear, right? So there's a, 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 a small portion of me that is glad Biden won because I think if Trump would have won, I don't know if America would have survived, man. Mm, explain. What do you mean? I think they'd have tore this whole nation down. Mm. I think the, the night, if they'd have said, yo, Trump's president that night, every major city would have went up in flames. And I don't know how we would have recovered. Especially, we barely recovered from the pandemic, but I think the operatives would have sent the Antifa types out. And then, you know, the organic starts to follow that, thinking it's real. And they would have tore down every major city and there would have been fires and Okay, your, your, your dad was an, uh, a military intelligence guy. Let, let's talk about this. This is an important, mm -hmm. important piece. I, I I do I do know how hard it is to control 300 million 350 million plus people in a country for mm -hmm. a government. It's very hard, which is why the government has become so sophisticated with propaganda and, and information warfare. Um, but at the same time, a part of me also has the sense that a lot of these people, like the Marxists and the uh, who do you mean? Do you mean government operative? Do you? I want to try and clear up like what? No. Do you mean like the FBI? You mean like agents, or you mean organic people tearing down the city? Because to me, I was out there when when the George Floyd protest popped off, and the right wing media can make it seem like it was so out of control. They pulled those police out of that precinct, okay, and and by the time the thing really reached its height. People were more so doing what you see from the Palestinians most of the time in, in, in that conflict where you got young kids or people who, you know, they're throwing rocks. You know, they're they're doing minimal impact and impactful damage to the overall structure and health of the military opposition. Right. These these white liberals, these anti they're not doing shit to the National Guard. They're not doing shit to the American military. They're not doing shit to a big police force or FBI. They're just not. They're not equipped to do any real damage. Now, they can burn down some, some businesses, and I'm not saying that's not nothing, but a lot of those businesses were rebuilt unless the insurance companies were in on the scam with the other cultural and political elites for the real estate to start to build new smart city grids around federal reserves. That's what the great Catherine Austin Fitz talked about in, in uh, Planet Lockdown, that documentary Planet Lockdown. I advise people to go watch that because uh, there's some interesting uh, ideas and theories about about how the, the George Floyd and BLM riots in 2020 were all centered around economic and financial interests and agendas. 
But do you really think that that, that so so you're saying your theory of the case is Donald Trump wins in 2020. The the narrative is there, the foundation is there, the 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 winds are at the back of the establishment to let loose this this sort of Marxist BLM uprising all over the country, and the government wouldn't have been able to get it under control through military force? It wouldn't have, because they wouldn't have. Because they didn't want they, they oh, so you're saying so you're saying the military would have actually been in on that deal. No, what I'm saying is how come when they requested the National Guard to be at J6, they wasn't there? That is a great question. Yes. One that we're now starting to see with more clarity, I think. Right? Yeah. So we can always get the military. But yeah, but we? your conservatives, but but Hotep, your conservatives all say, uh, you know, support our troops. Back the blue. Well, that who are they talking about when they say that, right? I don't think like, they know. I don't, I don't. They don't. I don't think they know either. <laughs> General you know Milley. General Milley's a veteran. He, I mean, he will be whenever he's retired in, in shame and disgrace. I mean, there yeah. are a lot of military people, you know, so I agree with what you're saying and, and what, what I'm trying to do not to cut you off. I'm trying to help articulate to a, an audience that I know will be hostile to hearing these things. And that's been the pitfall of the conservative movement the entire time. They will be hostile to hearing that? Really? Wow. I, I just think that people have these preconceived uh, prejudgments about where they should fall on any number of cultural issues. Yeah, it's the party line. It's, it's the, the party, party line, line bullshit. It's like, guys, what the man is saying is, had Donald Trump won, why, why do you think that the military wouldn't be in on the deal? Why do you think, let's go a step further, not to extend the rabbit hole, but let's just say that the Marxists are let loose all across the country and we have martial law. Who does that benefit? Right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Like they want destruction so they can take away more rights. Uh, you know, just like with the whole Israel-Palestine thing, just got a House bill passed for anti-Semite laws, right? So more restrictions of, of your freedom, right? Based upon some conflict. So they love conflict because they just take away more rights, right? Mm. You got the false flag 9-11 where, uh, you know, they tell us that it was some planes that took down as towers when, you know, you got to be a complete idiot to, to think that. Um, and, uh, you know, then they dropped the Patriot Act on us, right? You know, so uh, yes, absolutely. Wait, wait. Let me let me be clear. Are you? Do you think? Are you saying that the planes never hit, or are you saying that there were demolitions in the buildings? I don't know. Good. That's fair. I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. All I know is I wasn't there. I, I didn't is, see it firsthand. It's hard to right. say. I don't know. If I had to take a guess, it was a controlled demolition. With, with no planes? I mean, the plane could just be, like, the distraction, right? Like Right, but I'm like, saying you do think that the planes – I think I believe that the planes hit that day. Maybe I've been psyoped. I don't know. I just think that the planes actually hit, and I think there was something else. I, I think when you look at the, the, the total uh, uh, of evidence where you had strange – uh, incidents of I'll say unmarked vans going in and out of the basements weeks yeah. before, and and yeah, then you yeah. had Building Seven, which was a complete and utter ridiculous thing that nobody still will answer. And then even the Pentagon, you know, the Pentagon, the most secure built. Think about it, guys. I mean, let's just talk for real. I know, I know, you guys love the Department of Defense that steals three fucking trillion dollars from you and says, "Up, oh, it just disappeared." 
Okay, this ain't the first time they've been doing it. Go back to Rumsfeld on 2001. He says, we're missing three, you know, whatever, whatever, however much money. And then the next day, you know, you had 9-11 take place. And then you had a, a plane smack into the Pentagon. And there's no camera footage of the plane hitting the Pentagon? The most secure fucking building in the entire world? The most secure building in the entire world. And there's not a single camera shot of that airplane ramming into that building. And we can't even ask the question? We can't even, we can't even, we can't even, go ahead. I just, it it starts to frustrate me. Go ahead. I just want to know what kind of stupid people have that believe those planes took down the buildings. Oh, man, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I I mean, you know, usually, like, when you do, like, an experiment like that, like, if you were to reconstruct it, even, like, a small 3D model and and, and just throw something at a tree or anything that stands like that, you know, usually it it tips over, right? Uh, Or just the top crumbles. But to have it come down on itself perfectly? Now... Did the planes hit or did some planes hit, right? Like what plane hit it, right? That's the, that's a whole nother conversation. Like are the planes that they say hit it the same planes that actually hit it? There's that whole conspiracy theory. All I know is ain't I don't believe no planes took down them buildings. Right. If the planes hit it, you could believe. The, I don't care if you believe planes hit it, right? Like I'll, I'll go along with that. Fine. Planes hit it. Mm-hmm. But is that why they fell? Both of them? The same exact way. It's just, it's a fucking anomaly that you know only alien technology can explain. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, and look, and here's one of those things where you gotta be a whole dumbass to believe the official story of 9/11. Oh man, I'm trying to. I, I can't even. Or or an agent, right? Yes. Or somebody yes. who like you work for Fox, so you don't want to lose your job, so you got to kind of like go along to get along, right? And you, like you can't yeah. work for Fox and deny 9-11. They're yeah. going to fire you, right? Because they're all course. just fucking cuck liberals up there, right? Yeah, of course. Um, Sean so you can't. <laughs> yeah, you know, so everybody up there is going to lie to you, right? And then you go in a green room and they're like, I really don't believe the story, right? You know, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, and, that, and that's, it's, it's, that's, the, that's the huge issue with red whites is they're not allowed to tell themselves the own fucking truth. Right. They're not even allowed to discuss the truth amongst themselves. Well, that's why so this show can't. is "Please Call Me Crazy." It's, I mean, this is why we named the show that. It's just, you know, it, it, it's it's funny you're saying it. I I, I appreciate it so much because it, these are the conversations. And again, I want to caution people. It's okay to it's okay to ask questions. First of all, it's it's your duty to ask questions as a citizen, as a free thinking person. It's your duty to question the official narrative, especially right now. But in general, I don't care if if things were more honest by your standard or measurement, you should still ask the fucking questions. What right. are the questions? That's the starting point. But yeah. you don't need to get bogged down with did the planes hit or didn't the planes hit. Let's look at the net result. The net result is you lost your rights. Whether the planes hit or didn't hit, whether it was controlled demolition or not, whatever happened, we know what you the lost res- your rights. You lost your fucking rights. And the Patriot yeah. Act is still in effect today. And yeah. there ain't been another plane. They got TSA through the fucking teeth yeah. So fucking, I mean, it's just a fucking pain in the ass to deal with TSA all across the country. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. ain't been another terrorist attack with them planes. It's almost going on 25 years now. Mm. I mean, that's a quarter of a century. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, if this, 
that's a long time for us to still be riding the 9-11 fear porn, right, with the Patriot mm-hmm. Act. I mean, mm-hmm. has, there, has there even been a lot of terrorist attacks from, from radical Muslims in general, whether they be planes or not? No. I mean, I just don't, I don't see this, this, this chain or escalation of Islamic, radical Islamic terrorism here in America that justifies the Patriot Act. It's fear porn. It, it, mm-hmm. Even in Israel, mm-hmm. did the Patriot, I said the other day, did the Patriot Act help Israel? Uh, no. I mean, you know, the five eyes, they're all collaborating together to share information. And now you get reports that the IDF had previous knowledge that Hamas was going to attack. And now the IDF goes, and of course they say, well, you know, we didn't really, blah, blah, blah. Stop. Stop. You guys are surveilling every fucking square inch of the planet now, and you didn't see Hamas rolling up with 5,000 rocket launchers? You can't tell you can't tell people with good sense that oh it was a failure of you know the woke military in in, in Israel oh really oh okay well hey if the military is going that woke in Israel we need to start giving people the boot here in America <laughs> yeah if your military fail like that you got the most ass military in the world yo if I'm a, and, and yo, one thing I know about ahead, the IDF is they are not an ass military no, presence no the Irgun and the Mossad. These people are as good as Elite. it gets. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. let, let's give props, let's give flowers where flowers are due, okay? It don't get no more savage and elite and and killer than the Maasai. It don't get no better than the Maasai. It, it just, Facts. it don't get no better than that. Mm-hmm. You can make the argument that British intelligence may be right up there, okay? And you could even mm-hmm. make an argument that that the Russians, that the uh, KGB and, and what the Russians do in the Kremlin, that their intelligence, counterintelligence is is on par. Uh, the Chinese intelligence is a league behind, for sure. But th- th- the Mossad is top cream of the crop, okay? Yeah. If the Mossad can't protect Israel and see front loaders, then I got questions about security and safety across the entire world. I got questions That's- about the Security Council of the United Nations. I got questions about the whole thing, but we know that they really, of course they saw it was coming. You can't convince me otherwise. Go ahead. Yeah. So coming back to the whole um, BLM shit, you know, uh, you know, riots and whatnot. I remember, again, Darren Sills. Right. So Darren Sills, they were um, congregating to commemorate the life of Mike Brown. And uh, I remember seeing the video footage. So when he talked about it, you you see this white boy come into the crowd and he threw something at the cops. I was like, yo, did y'all see that? I was like, oh, shit. And then he kind of like disappears into obscurity, right? So when I spoke to Darren, Darren basically said, yo, we had to stop a bunch of people like that, you know? So um, then there's this experiment somebody did. You can go look this up in Las Vegas where uh, they get like 10 volunteers or something like that, 20 volunteers and he set up a fake queue, a fake line, right? Mm, mm. And just to see how many people get in that line. And people started lining up in this line, but the line is waiting for nowhere. It's like a line for nothing. And people are sitting there waiting in this line. So it's like a lot of monkey see, monkey do. So when I think about what happened with, um, or what could have happened if Trump won the last election, what I saw was there'll be the emails that go out, hey, we're marching. Then the insurgents come in, create violence behind that, 
And then you get the opportunists who come in and start looting behind that. And then um, the the problem isn't the destruction and the looting. The problem is the disruption of the of the local economics because you still need that time period to clean up and everything. So that's really the bad part is the disruption. The fact that I was going to go to work on Monday, but now I can't because roads are closed because it's that and the third yeah. slows up, you know, your packages getting everything gets slowed up. So it's the disruption that's really the most harmful. And the more destruction you have, the more disruption. Also, like you said, it gives an opportunity to lay out martial law. And Alice Jones talks about that all the time. And then passing legislation, basically saying, oh, because this insurrection happened, we have to increase surveillance and we have to eliminate the Constitution just a little bit more, right? Right. So um, in a way, I was happy Trump didn't win because I wasn't ready to go down that path of them accelerating um, you know, their big brother agenda. So do you think uh, it happens this time if he wins? Do you think what? No, no, this time. So right now, the establishment wants a, a right wing movement. Uh, the the whole um, push to the right right now is um, some of it is or- organic, like I said, based upon prices. But some of it is also manufactured uh, where the powers because the powers that be don't have political alignments. So, um, you know, Carol Quigley talks about this in Tragedy and Hope, and he talks about how the powers that be, and mostly the bankers, right, they um, they practice a balance of power where when the left gets too big, they transfer power to the right. And when the right gets too big, they transfer power to the left. And they do this, like, seesaw back and forth thing. So right now it's the right's turn, yeah. uh, which is why I'm not, like, one of these people out here celebrating the mo- big move to the right because I know it's all manufactured. Um Kind of like the debate last night, right? Like Gavin Newsom hasn't announced that he's running for president. So why is he debating DeSantis? And it's like, okay, this is a uniparty movement to um, manufacture awareness for Gavin Newsom. Nobody knows who the fuck Gavin Newsom is. And then when I say that, people go, what do you mean? Everybody knows who Gavin Newsom is. I'm like, no, you, the person on Twitter whose life revolves around following politics, knows who Gavin Newsom is. But if I walk out in the street and go, yo, who's Gavin Newsom? Nobody in the fucking New Jersey knows who the fuck Gavin Newsom is. But if I ask him about Ron DeSantis, it's going to go, oh, the guy banning books. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, it, so you're Ron saying DeSantis, they created a boogie? They created a, a, a caricature boogeyman out of DeSantis with the book banning thing, so people know about him. Now they use him to give credence and and validity to Gavin Newsom as the it, as the protector of black folks. We we have to talk about all history, right? Yeah. So um, a lot of politics comes down to name recognition. Absolutely. You go in that booth, you see the name. Either you recognize the name or you don't. Yeah. So when somebody looks in the thing and they go, well, I know who DeSantis is. I don't know who this guy Newsom is. There's a potential if somebody doesn't have a bias that they'll just go with the guy that they recognize. So all DeSantis and the Uniparty did last night with the help of Sean Hannity was propel. They, they basically created a launch party for Newsom. Like, this is his campaign launch last night. Right. And like, why would you help the Democrats get eye on one of their candidates like you, that's not, and then everybody's like, oh, he, he, sh- he held up a picture of all the poop in California. I'm like, that's a meme. Like it's real, but it's like, all right. So like, that's what y'all happy about. You, you don't want like substance. I mean, you do know that DeSantis obliterated the first amendment with his anti-Semitic law. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, mm-hmm. 
this is y'all champion. A lot of lot of Jewish constituents down there in Florida that he asked to, that he asked to uh, you know do the do the song and dance for. Um, well, of course. Yeah, I mean that's a huge. Well, and and just APAC in general, right? Is the biggest is the biggest uh, American uh, lobbying group in in our country, and you know, yeah, I agree with you. But yeah, and yeah. and Newsom is a yeah look, Newsom is a Newsom is a dangerous motherfucker. I'm going to tell people right now that that's a dangerous motherfucker right there. He's he's sharp. He's unapologetic in in his dishonesty, which always makes a very uh, uh, great politician, a great politician, a dangerous adversary. He's he's charismatic. He's good looking, and he and he's got he's got a lot of he, he speaks well, and he doesn't just speak well in terms of like I can recite it. He's good off the cuff. His mannerisms are very uh, polished, right? Like he come right out of Langley, right? It's like he was trained in the fucking bowels of. Of of Langley and and who else knows what other intelligence community was involved in his fucking Manchurianness, right? I mean that dude is the mature. The, he is like the prototype of a Manchurian candidate. Right? Mm. Even his fucking smile and his hair—it's like this guy's fucking horrifying. But what about? Mm. But but Nikki Haley's no better. I mean the entire establishment now is running behind Nikki Haley. They, they, I mean they're hey, throwing that shit's hilarious to me because she's an idiot. What the fuck is going on with that? I don't even. How do how can the is this not the sign that the Republican Party has all but abandoned the Republican leadership? Let's not say the whole party that the leadership has all but abandoned the black vote. Do you know anybody? Do you know a single no, black the person black is completely abandoned? Do you know a single black person that would ever vote for Nikki Haley? No. Do you even know a black person that would vote for Ron DeSantis? Maybe a little no. more, maybe a few no. more. Yeah, a couple couple people over on Jason Whitlock's team would probably vote for Ron DeSantis, but. Mm. It's not forty nine percent. It ain't no all my homies voting for Trump. Come on, man! It's Donald Trump. It's not, everywhere I'm at. I'm talking about neighborhood guys. I'm not talking about you know you grew up middle class and you know you're a little bit educated or you got you know you went, you went to university and you know like the the Democrats say the uneducated voters the the vote the voters who are you know didn't go to college that's their way of calling Negroes dumb. Um, mm -hmm. But all of us uneducated Negro deplorables because I didn't even graduate from college I'm 30 credits away but still I didn't graduate I didn't get the credential um all of us are unanimous Donald Trump so yeah. so what do you think what do you think we could do if it's you if I put you in the White House or on the administration what does Donald Trump and the the American first populist nationalist movement do to subvert to to uh try and fight back against the establishment manufacturing this right this right swing of the political uh climate what do we do to to, to thwart that what do you mean so thwart what be, because you, you like you said this swing to the right is manufactured which i agree yeah. with i think the balance of power is something that the international banking cartel and other corporate elites all across the world these these globalists they're elites, all swinging it. you see it in argentina too they're, they're yeah. swinging it yeah well yeah i don't know if they're swinging it I don't know if at the highest level when you're looking at a big map of the world that you can't pinpoint certain places to swing it to the right to serve as a boogeyman for the rest of the the world to reject. I, I, so I don't know how that really works because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not in those rooms. I'm not, I'm not diabolical enough to really play that game. But mm -hmm. here in America, let's just say, if they're swinging it to the right on purpose, what can we do to stop to let's say what can we do to um 
like l- let's say the ball is getting thrown back to us on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. What moves do we make to combat their plan, right? If us getting power is so, just part of the plan, what do we do now to say, all right, y'all gave us the ball on purpose. Now watch this play. Now we're gonna we're gonna, right? So um, it depends on what your motives are, but my motive is freedom. So um, what I would say is that um, the IQ is probably really low amongst the right. Um, And uh, I'm not talking about the intelligence quotient. I'm just talking about how they move. Uh, It's just not smart at all. Um, I would focus on um, because everybody says we're in a culture war right now. Right. And and I, I think that was created by the left. We're not in a culture war right now. Uh, we're in an intelligence war. So Alex Jones is the one that understood that. That's why our show is called Info Wars, because right. that's really what we're dealing with here is an information war, an intelligence war. This is an intelligence war. All wars based upon intelligence. All wars are based upon intelligence. Whoever has the most intelligence wins. And that's why Israel wins most of the time, because they have so much intelligence, right? Mm. That's why the Rothschild gained so much power. People think the Rothschild gained power because they had money. No, they gained power because they had spies everywhere at <laughs> an intelligence network, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think you would need to increase the intelligence of your people first and foremost. Um, you know, start putting more emphasis into technology and um and independent independent uh school systems, independent uh yeah. uh, uh, uh teaching uh institutions. Yeah. Uh change the way you operate your schools, right? Um you know, uh, right now, the way the school system is, it's or, or a school it's set up is very much um, designed to create followers and not leaders. Um, if you if you really want to start taking back power, you need to figure out how to push the leaders to the front and uh, and and make better followers because when you look at a classroom you can tell who the leaders are right the leaders are the disruptive kids and everybody else is a bitch-ass follower right so if you get good grades and you graduate from college you're just a bitch-ass follower but if you got bad grades and you're disruptive and you were sent to the principal's office you're the actual leader because I was, you deviated i was one of those kids i got sent to the principal's office i was what they call the class clown i was i was always socializing you know i was checking the temperature of the group but continue you're right yeah yeah. So you're actually one that's like you've deviated from the indoctrination, right? The like agenda. the brainwashing didn't work on you. Yeah. Right. Um, I was one of those kids with a brainwashing didn't work on me. And now we look and I'm leading the movement it's because the brainwashing never worked on me. I didn't graduate from college because when I went to college, I was hustling. I was hustling the kids in college out of their money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what we have to do is and I've done this myself where um I coach uh, kids football and I know who the disruptive kids are. So I take the disruptive kids and I make them the leaders. I put them in, 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 in leadership roles yep. and their behavior changes. Yep. They start acting responsible. Hey, you know what's crazy about that? Oh, man. I'm so glad you said that because I'm coaching. Mm-hmm. I'm coaching my son's team. Uh, he's mm-hmm. in seventh grade and he's got his little seventh grade AAU team. And I'm not gonna say any of the kids' names because that 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 you know I don't have their parents' mm-hmm. permission. Um, but I'm also helping coach the high schoolers and, and the freshman team as well. I'm very involved in the entire basketball community here in my in my in my neighborhood um, where where I live at. And uh, it's so funny you say that. I had a kid on my seventh grade team who was, uh, you know, he's he's what we call mannish, right? 
He's mm. Spanish. He's aggressive. You know what I mean? He just mm-hmm. he has that dominant personality, right? And uh, mm-hmm. at that age, now sometimes you grow into this and grow out of it, and people change over time. That that happens too. Um, but exactly what you said is exactly what I knew I had to do. Like for example, we go out on the road. I'm like, yo, you in charge. If something happens, if something goes down, it's on you. And over the year of him being with me, you could just see how mature he's become. Now he's the one that's gonna come and, and, and when people are getting too loud or they, they're not really recognizing their surroundings and where they're at, now he's the one who's gonna come and tap you and say, hey man, this is how we, right? Like that, that is such a, uh, an, a, a, an important piece of, of picking leadership. And I think it's partly why Steve Bannon, you know, has, has commissioned me as an up and coming leader in this movement. Cause I'm a mm. fire breather. Yeah, I use profanity a lot. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm uncouth to many of you. But those are the people that you need to lead in a time of of, of, of social and moral stagnation. Yeah. To continue, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, when you look at, you know, how well, America treats disruptive students, um, you know, they call it a school-to-prison pipeline is because the system's designed to take leaders who might be rebellious against the system and put them in detention or prison, right? Like Trump. So— like Trump. Exactly. <laughs> so we have to we have to take a look at our school system and say, OK, here are the kids that are in leadership roles and and here's how we're going to nurture that leadership. And and here's how we're going to teach the other kids that follow how to follow behind the leader and how to how to assist the leader, because some people have natural proclivities to be a leader and some have natural proclivities to be a follower. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And sometimes followers become leaders and sometimes leaders become followers. Depends on, you know, whose expertise is leading at that moment. Right. right. So um, we got to take a look at how um, we're raising young men. Right now, young men are being raised by women. You go to school, it's a strong chance that you're going to be raised by a woman in that classroom. And women don't know how to deal with young boys and they don't know how to deal with young black boys. So um, figuring out what, you know, how to how to deal with people with specializations, right? If you got a bunch of kids that's doing good at math and a bunch of kids that's not doing good at math, you might need to take the other kids that are not doing math and see what they're good at and start specializing at an earlier age. This is what makes um, other nations much better. Um, but, you know, uh, we don't specialize at an early age. Um, we we wait till college to specialize. And then you get kids that turn 18 and you go, well, what do you want to be? And you grow up and you're like, I don't know. What do you want your major to be? I don't know. You've never specialized at an early age when if you see a kid who's good at drawing, like why hasn't he been introduced into the architecture realm and the arts realm? And he should be taking art classes all day. And maybe, you know, math and English is sort of minimized in his schedule. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't. That's not how the systems run. The systems designed to create followers. Yeah. Automatons, bots. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So you got the mandate from Hotep Jesus himself. We thank you for your time today. I know you got to run. We don't want to monopolize your time. You got a movement and a and a and a, and a following to get to on, on, as well. Um, but we thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed you being on the podcast. I enjoy your work. I enjoy your insights uh, and your originality and authenticity. I want to get you back on the show as soon as possible. So shoot me some times when you can get when you can come back on. I uh, hope the audience enjoyed it. You got the mandate right there. If the establishment want, let's say, in their most dubious plans and agenda, they're throwing us the ball on purpose. Let's just say, 
let's, you know, God willing, Donald Trump survives this because I personally think they may try and take him out. Uh, if not by throwing him in jail, they may actually try and take him out. God forbid. Uh, let's say they're trying to throw us the ball on purpose. What can we do? It starts with the schools. It's funny you say that. Just yesterday I was telling Sonny, one of my one of my goals right now is to start a school and an athletic mm-hmm. facility here in the community to try and teach young kids, uh, uh, you know, what it means to be free, what it means to be an American citizen, what it means to be to be uh, your, your own your own human being, right? Um, so I appreciate your time, brother. Uh, any parting shots? Tell us where we can follow that. you. I can't. Yeah, hotepjesus.com. I cannot find that document. I'm so upset. I can't find that document. <laughs> well, if you it if you find so it, good. if you find it, text it to me. I'll put it in the show notes as a okay. link. Uh, and we'll share it as well, the the, the document that Hotep uh, was trying to find during the show. Um, but yeah. but tell us again, tell us where to follow you, tell us to watch where to watch the show uh, before before we head out. Yeah, I'm uh, hotepjesus.com, uh, uh, Hotep TV on Rumble, and uh, Hotep Jesus on YouTube. I uh, stream every day at 2 p.m. Thank you, brother. We appreciate the time. Um, Godspeed to you, man. Give me a call soon. Let's get back on it when you have when you have a chance. All right, most deaf, man. Thank you for having me. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Hotep Jesus, the great Hotep Jesus. I had a blast doing that interview. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between he and I. I know it may make some people uncomfortable, and we're discussing some things that that trigger a lot of emotion, but that's exactly what we need right now in this moment in American history to actually change the status quo, to move the needle. We need to move the needle. We need to move the needle now. We cannot wait. So if we cannot wait, we cannot do the same thing that we've been doing. We cannot modify the conversation slightly. It has to be modified drastically. And so I'm going to introduce you to some figures that have drastic, drastic deviations from the mainstream narrative. Um, and not just black people, but, but anybody. And that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with everything they say. And it doesn't mean you should agree with everything they say. But it means that you shouldn't let small disagreements discount these people entirely. Why? That's exactly what they do to Donald Trump. That's exactly what they say about Steve Bannon and Alex Jones. That's exactly what they say about me. And it's what many of them would say about a person like Hotep Jesus or Sonny Johnson. So I hope you've uh, enjoyed this week's Family and Friends guest episode back-to-back special, let's let's call it. Uh, I hope you found the conversation insightful and entertaining, and I hope it gives you some directive as to how we're going to move forward for this 2024 election cycle, which is almost guaranteed to be the most important presidential or political election cycle in the history of our great nation. Um, I appreciate your viewership and listenership today and in the future. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on Monday evening um, for your regularly scheduled Please Call Me Crazy programming. Uh, If you haven't already, go to freepeopleradio.com where you can watch, where you can uh, find out more about where you can watch and listen to the podcast. You can also follow us on social media. You can sign up for our email list, which we're going to start activating here shortly. You'll get updates on things that are happening with the podcast, new titles, new podcasts that are premiering, schedules, times, so on and so forth, guests. Uh, So the email list will be a a way for you to get uh, information about about things taking place with Free People Radio. You can also go to our store, visit our store, 
Uh, you can get there through freepeopleradio.com and hit in the store tab, or you can go direct at freepeopleradio.store. All of the merchandise and things that we have up are drop shipped. So let us know if you have any problems. We haven't had any uh, uh, complaints or any any problems thus far. People are buying coffee mugs here. We have one of these please call me crazy coffee mugs right here. I, I hope you can see that. Um, kind of cool. I like it. It's fun. Uh, it's fun making your own products and, and merchandise and things like that. I hope you guys will enjoy it as well. We also have the Cuck Slayer coffee mug. I hope you'll go and buy a Cuck Slayer coffee mug and and stand proud in your, in your cuck slaying. We have that in there in the other in the other room. I didn't have it on the table today, but uh, we also have some cuck slayer sweatshirts and hoodies, and we also have some Godspeed t-shirts, uh, as well as journals, free people radio t-shirts, hoodies, journals, uh, poker cards. Me and the great Professor Penn are going to do a Hebrews episode next week where we play some cards, drink some McAllen, kick back, and have a more relaxing episode between two friends and comrades. So we hope you'll tune in for that. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Professor Penn Podcast. There's not a more in-depth, astute, historical analysis, historical and political analysis of the time than you can find on the Professor Penn Podcast. I mean, he's right up there with the great Steve Bannon uh, in in his understanding and history, partly because of his age. He lived through some of these things. He was there. And and that's why you get such um, such a poignant, presentation from people like Steve Bannon and Professor Penn because they live through it. So with all that off the table, we want to send a special shout out to the War Room audience. We know the War Room audience is growing and we see the feedback. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the feedback from everybody who watches InfoWars and watches the podcast on Bandot Video. Um, Shout out to the entire InfoWars team, to Grace Chong, Maureen Bannon, the great Steve Bannon. A huge shout out to President Donald Trump, who continues to rise up in the polls and show us the uh, a real example of leadership. I know, I know, many of you out there still suffering from the Donald Trump derangement syndrome, and you're letting the mainstream media tell you this guy is the second coming of Satan and and, and the devil. Um, but I'll tell you this, and I say this with all honesty: Tell me who I can't criticize, and I'll show you who your masters are. I'll show you who. Tell me who you can't criticize and I'll show you who your masters are because there's nobody I can't fucking criticize. And we've made that abundantly obvious over the first 130 so episodes of this podcast. There's nobody we won't criticize. There's nobody we won't talk about, including Donald Trump. But we have to give him his flowers and his credit where it's due. The establishment wants to come after him because of his ideas, not because of his personal flaws and, 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 uh, you know, and shortcomings, because of his ideas and his willingness and his courage and the balls to stand up and speak those ideas unapologetically. That's why they're coming after him. And we have to have to give credit where it's due for that um, from any leader today because it's so needed. So that's it for me for for today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Hotep. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Sonny. We appreciate your viewership and listenership today and in the future. The fight continues. Please don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.